May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this is not one of Jesus' subtler stories, is it? Rather, it's one of his patented hyperboles, like the camel who goes through the eye of a needle or faith the size of a mustard seed that can move mountains. Jesus draws with bold black lines and paints with a palette of fluorescent colors, perhaps because he wants us to get the point. This might be the heart of the matter. The kingdom of God, says Jesus, the kingdom of God is like a CEO whose company needs some cash, so he calls in some outstanding debts. And as he's climbing through the books, he's astonished to discover that one of his employees has managed all by himself to rack up a debt of 10,000 talents. And that sum, of course, is the hyperbole I was speaking of. 10,000 was the largest number people in first century Palestine could have imagined. Jesus didn't know anything about concepts like a million or a billion a million would simply have been for Jesus 100 ten thousands. So 10,000 is the largest number anybody can imagine in Jesus' original audience. You even know the Greek word for 10,000. It is myriados, from which we get the English word myriad, of course, which means a lot, almost too much to count. And a talent, of course, was the largest currency denomination in common use in first century Palestine. So, 10,000 talents is another way of saying the most of the biggest. One talent was roughly equivalent to what a common laborer, let's say a policeman or a teacher, would make in 15 years of work. Now, how much money will you have made after 15 years of teaching the Pythagorean theorem to fourth graders? I'll tell you, you'd have about a million dollars. That's one talent. Therefore, this hapless employee in Jesus' story owes his boss, now get this, $10 billion. Can you hear Dr. Evil say it? Ten, no, $10 billion. Now, what a corporate middle manager could do to rack up that kind of debt is anybody's guess. So you see what I mean by saying that this is not one of Jesus' subtler stories. On the other hand, of course, there was that guy called the London Whale at J.P. Morgan a couple of years ago who managed to make bad trades worth $6 billion. So maybe this story by Jesus isn't as outlandish as it first seems. So, this guy has more bad debt than Sears and Radio Shack put together. To put it another way, he has half as much debt as the city of Detroit. But the city of Detroit is a city of 700,000 people. This guy has managed to do this all by himself. It will take him 200,000 years to pay this debt off. The boss punches the speed dial on his iPhone to get the SEC the employee falls to his needs and pleads for mercy. And before the call connects, the boss hangs up the phone and says, what the heck, I'll write it off. You're free to go. $10 billion debt erased just like that. 
Now you'd think the guy would drop to his knees and praise the skies for his good fortune and instantly become the kindest and most generous suit on Wall Street, but you know what happens next. On his way out, says Jesus. Again, this is not one of his subtler stories. Jesus means to hammer home his homily with huge hyperbole. On his way out, says Jesus, the forgiven debtor comes across a colleague who owes him a hundred denarii. Now, in your comprehensive and exhaustive Bible study, you have probably learned that a denarius was what a common laborer would make in a day of work. So, what does that mean? A hundred days' work. This is about $10,000. This is the value of an eight-year-old Jeep with 100,000 miles on it. Seizing him by the throat, says Jesus. The forgiven debtor says, pay up now, you deadbeat. Choking, his colleague sputters a plea for patience. How long would it take you to pay off a $10,000 debt on a teacher's salary? A couple of years at least. Give me two years and I'll pay what I owe you. The first guy refuses and has the second servant thrown in prison. One scholar pointed out that the first guy's debt is 100,000 times larger than the second guy's. Jesus isn't interested here in giving us complicated, nuanced, three-dimensional figures. He wants us to get the point. Well, you know the rest of the story. When the boss finds out what happens, he has the first servant thrown into prison. And this is not just any prison. This is one of Stalin's gulags. This is a Gestapo prison. You don't need a PhD in New Testament to get the point. The point, of course, is that God, rich in mercy, is dying, literally dying, to pour God's blessings out on debtors such as we. In Jesus Christ, God is dying, literally dying, to pretend that we're in the black, that we don't have this massive debt. Which doesn't mean, of course, that there are no unforgivable sins. There is at least one unforgivable sin, and it is the sin of unforgiveness. The sin of acting less mercifully toward each other than God has acted towards us in Christ. Of acting as if our penny-ante obligations and irritations and offenses toward each other loom larger in the scheme of things than our own expansive debt toward God, God's self, who gives us every sunrise and prosperity beyond our wildest dreams and life itself and then watches us squander it all away. Jesus' blunt little story is for somebody here this morning. Somebody here has been wounded by another. A friend, a colleague, a spouse, a child, a parent. Somebody here is desperately trying to let it go, but it's so hard, isn't it? We love to nurse our grievances. But of course, that's no way to live. Jesus will tell us that it's not right. 
And your therapist will tell you that it's not healthy. And to get that point across, Annie Lamott says that holding on to your grievances is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. That's vivid but true, isn't it? Forgiveness, the heart of the matter. Graham Greene wrote a novel by that title, The Heart of the Matter, in 1948, about a constable in colonial West Africa during World War II who commits adultery and is so racked by guilt that he takes his own life. And that's a huge offense in the Catholic Church, of course. And his wife, bitter over his infidelity, says to her priest, there's no use even praying for his soul. And the priest replies, for goodness sake, Mrs. Scobie, don't think you or I know a thing about God's mercy. Perhaps God will forgive even that even a $10 billion debt. Maybe a few of you will know the name David Noel Friedman. David was one of the foremost biblical scholars in the world, especially of the Hebrew Bible. He may not be a hero to you, but he is huge for people like Katie and I. When Dr. Friedman died a few years ago at the age of 85, he'd been professor of biblical studies at the University of California, San Diego for 23 years, and before that he'd spent 20 years teaching at the University of Michigan, I'm proud to say. At Big Ten schools, they're learning to take pride in their academics because they can no longer take pride in their football teams. <laughs> David Friedman matriculated at the City College of New York when he was 13 years old and earned his bachelor's degree when he was 17. When he died, he'd been the general editor of the Anchor Bible Commentary series for over 50 years since 1956. And some of you will know that the Anchor Bible Commentary series is the most authoritative and comprehensive commentary in the English language. Currently, it has 90 volumes and is still growing. 40,000 page, pages of analysis. And David Friedman edited every page. More than that, he wrote 300 books himself. Near the end of his lifetime, someone asked Dr. Friedman, this towering biblical scholar, if he could sum up all he's learned about the Bible and life in one sentence. The 66 books of the Bible... 40,000 pages of reflection upon it. And Dr. Friedman thought about that for just a moment, and then he said, there is forgiveness. The whole Bible in one sentence, there is forgiveness. Or, as Don Henley put it, who wrote all those great eagle songs, there are people in your life who've come and gone. They let you down, you know. They hurt your pride. You better put it behind you, baby. Life goes on. You keep carrying that anger. It'll eat you up inside, baby. I've been trying to get down to the heart of the matter. But my will gets weak. And my thoughts seem to scatter. 
but I think it's about forgiveness. Forgiveness. The heart of the matter. Pass it along, please. Please. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.